Bottling down porn setting. Chapter 34. She had a name. The night I locked up the brakes. And that fucking stingray. I, it was a formidable night. Because I didn't even realize what I'd done. Until after I'd done it. Yeah. Car went sideways. Kind of half on, half off the road. But like I said... Before Summer could even look at me, I growled at her so fucking loud. Her long burgundy curls had flurried to both sides of her ear. Damn it, I made sure she fucking understood it. I'd kill her before I killed some innocent fucker out there. A minute. woman I was in love with is going to have to find somebody else to do fucking murder for because it wasn't going to be me. I'd become something else. And I wasn't going to do murder. Not for 3000 Not even for 30000 Okay? Especially for 30000 You're dealing with low-level people. I wouldn't even have the conversation but for 300000 But I'm not a fucking murderer. So see? She fucking knew it. She knew that. would have been the dumbest thing I could have done. She fucking knew it. It's important. Rosemary didn't expect me to kill the guy. And Serena sure as fuck wouldn't even think about the guy. That's why it shocked me. Summer had been so relentless in her insistence I kill the man. She was hoping I was either drunk enough heartbroken enough to go do it. She could move on with that fucking millionaire in Simi Valley. That meant Summer was ready to move on and it hurt. Yeah. I'm sorry for myself again. Run a fucking tunnel through that guy's head with that nine millimeter. Killed him. Murdered a man for three grand and left him in women's lingerie tied up to his own bed with a plastic dick in his mouth. How long do you think it take homicide detectives to look at phone bills to figure out who the fuck's this guy been calling? How long do you think it would take some indiscriminate escort agency to cave to detective? pressure, point the finger at Rosemary, and how long do you think that bitch Rosemary's going to cover for me?
I just told him to tune him up for 3,000, not murder him. I can hear the cunt saying it now. Yeah. And you know where I'd be now? Graveyard. Yeah, San Quentin. Prison graveyard after my execution, of course, on the M1 beep. You know, I guess it was about that time things in my life were starting to fucking clear up a little bit. And I realized, geez, maybe I'm not the dumb shit that step fucker of mine always said I was. Anyway, I'm not getting into that. Let's move on. After the Stingray skin incident on the 101, we exited Highland. Summer remained silent, finally spoke up with far less fire in her voice after I'd yelled at her. Pull over, Brent. Pull over, Brent. She muttered with the point of her finger at the corner gas station. Fuck four, Summer. Fired back. Without getting too excited, she pointed at the payphone in the parking lot of the station. Something called Rosemary and we can go get the rest of your money. It's your money, too, said whipping the Corvette to the lot. My money. Summer quickly got out without saying a word, slamming the door hard behind her. Before she could reach the phone, I too jumped out. Summer quickly snapped, stepping out from behind the car with my palms up to stop her. Say a fucking thing about any of this shit on the phone. You understand me? Prince, please. She retorted with pushing my hand from her shoulder before picking up the receiver. You have some change? She asked while digging through her purse. I pulled what silver I had from my pocket, handed it to her, then went and yeah, sat back down in that fucking car. She kept her hand clasped over her free ear as she spoke with Rosemary for several minutes as I watched from the car. She nodded a bunch and, well, the look of disdain which had plagued her face since I had informed her the rapist was still alive slowly began to dissipate to an eventual look of relief. I don't know, maybe she assumed Rosemary and them thought I was going to kill him. Was Summer really that fucking dumb? Anyway, at one point, she looked over at me in an approving fashion while speaking with the madam. See, initially I thought she was trying to set me up to kill myself, yeah. When I saw the look on her face of relief, I I wasn't as upset anymore. Through the strands of her hair, I could see her smile in my direction. I still didn't smile back. I guess I was sus- suspicious still. I don't know. Since the two of us had rolled out of Northridge and uh, the rapist had snuffed his nuts out, he'd been, on, he'd been working the phone pretty heavy. Summer uh, filled me in that the um, rapist had been on the phone to the agency. He had called in just about every fucking agency he could get a hold of in town to threaten them. That's right, and he was threatening everybody with that mob shit again, talking that mob shit again. Well, we put a fucking stop to that. And I don't fucking say that as to imply I was ever connected or any of that shit, ever. 
Not in my fucking life. I couldn't live up to their code to begin with, okay? But the fucking fact is, we all had friends. Rosemary had hers, and I had mine. And that cockroach shit rapist continuing to try to instill some kind of fear or submission in these girls. After doing what he did, he, he, he was calling them, trying to threaten them with his mob connections. Ooh, it fucking made me even... It outraged me. We showed up at Rosemary's apartment. I cleared the penthouse to make sure we were the only ones talking, and I told her, that cocksucker calls back again. You inform him we're going to let our friends know that he's treading on their name, and I've got the fucking address, and I'll gladly show him where he lives, and we'll let them deal with him if he dares try to throw that shit in our fucking face one more time. I couldn't get Summer... Couldn't get Summer to sign off on it. She was worried about the mob. I said, let me tell you something, Summer, okay? I'm glad he's calling these escort agencies for one, threatening everybody with the mob. You know why? Why, Britt? Tell me why. She scoffed. Because it means he's not calling the cops! Do you understand that? I yelled. <laughs> Even Rosemary took a lurch back and spilled some of the brandy down in front of that fucking nasty-ass nightgown of hers. We rolled out of Rosemary's, and I never saw that crusty, cranky old convict bitch ever again. And guess what? The rapist called back. Rosemary recited exactly what I had told her to say. He shut the fuck up, disappeared, and we never heard from him again. The end. I didn't trust Summer as much anymore after that night. I knew she would turn on me. I knew it. At that point. She'd sell my ass down the river for something better like she was doing with Dean. Because ultimately it didn't matter how much she loved me. The money was it. The car we were in was it. And that's how come just a couple of days later you bet. She jumped in that car and she set up for Simi Valley to spend a whole nother fucking weekend with Dean. And it was me in that fucking apartment again. Yeah, I mean, I had the bike, but I was... I loved her, okay? I really loved her, and it hurt so fucking bad. It all hurt so fucking bad, but I never cried. Let's get that right. I never once cried for myself. I felt sorry for myself, but I never cried for myself. Anyway. So there I was, sitting back in West Hollywood again, right there in Poinsettia in the uh, old apartment. Yeah, you know, back in that day, Donkey Kong and shit just didn't fucking do it for me, folks. No. No, that's why I was watching the Persian Gulf War at that fucking point. Yeah, we hadn't kicked anything off yet, but it was smelling like war was coming. And, well, every day of my existence was a roller coaster of violence and sex and dope and alcohol and all the fucking time. It never ended. So, you know, I'd like to level off with some good old just basic war once in a while. I mean, 
I don't know that Saddam had actually invaded Kuwait at that point yet, but it was rounding the corner. Yeah, when Summer took off to Dean's house in Simi Valley, and I was sitting there in the apartment, I was so happy the phone rang, and of all people, Barracks friend Christian from 29 Palm offered to hire me for a job, something legitimate. Well, shit, you know, legitimate work isn't as much fun as setting a human being's dick on fire, but partial cans of Zippo, lighter fluid, and rapists don't grow on trees, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't joke. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I'm game. I can't watch a paycheck just walk by. So when Christian called, I packed a fucking bag and, uh, yeah, we split for the Bay Area and I think Seattle or somewhere. Portland. That was it. Portland, Oregon. Why did Christian and I drive to Portland, Oregon? Well, one... Christian was buying my friendship for the weekend. That's right. It was like driving Miss Daisy because Christian, my new friend from 29 Palm, couldn't navigate any fucking highway in America without falling asleep at the wheel. That's right. Another life and death weekend getaway. <laughs> you just can't get away from shit sometimes, you know? But anyway... um, yeah, Christian falls asleep at the wheel every time he had to drive by himself, so I had to go with him. We drive in shifts. Not that his shift counted at all, because I was so fucking paranoid after catching him falling asleep on the side of a snow-covered mountain. Yeah, I opened my eyes and I was like, gee, them pines are mighty close to the road. No, we were close to the pines. This is like 3 a.m., on the side of Mount St. Hellblast or something. I can't remember where the fuck we were. I know it scared the shit out of me and I wouldn't let him drive anymore. You know, I made him crawl in the back of the Land Cruiser next to the artwork and go to sleep. I got us the rest of the way to Portland. Oh, yeah. Why were we going to Portland? Well, his father is an artist. He's a great world-renowned artist. No, I'm not going to name his name. I ain't doing that shit. I don't like name-dropping. I'm not... Okay. Hey, listen. Melanie Mayron was really hot at the time, and had I had the chance, I would have nailed her, okay? Uh, she was so cute. We used to talk in the cookie all the time at Ralph's, but anyway. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. <sighs> Sorry. We're driving fucking artwork to Portland, Oregon to sell it in an art house. You know, it's going to be auctioned off in an art house, okay? And like I say, I'm not name dropping, but some of that artwork included. I'll mix it up with Summer's language so you won't know what I'm talking about. I held the original artwork of Star Wars in my hand. Yeah, yeah. The original artwork in my hands. Empire Strikes, baby's big fat ass. No bullshit, folks. We had to drop it off in an art house in downtown Portland. And like I say, I'm not giving you the actual name. I'll talk around it. After I woke Christian up and we threw all the sleeping bags away from the artwork and I got a gander at everything, I held the actual Harlem Chewbacca's. But I held that original artwork in my hand, too. And all the Indiana Jonestown Massacre stuff? Yeah, no shit. I held it all in my hand. 
Temple of Cotton Block. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, then I got my money for driving Christian, keeping him alive. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got my money for assisting in keeping us both alive. <laughs> uh, hey, I played a role. It hadn't been for me waking up, catching Christian slumped over the fucking wheel of the car. Fucking Star Wars fans out there, you'd have to go on some trek through the fucking mountains to buy the artwork in a snowdrift. <laughs> and we got there, okay? That was the important thing. We had reservations at a real nice, like, piano bar. Um, I enjoyed it. It was like Bel Air Hotel. I really enjoyed it. And... Um, we jumped on our beds when we got to our rooms and all that shit. And, yeah, you know, just, just hanging out with Christian. Bay Area, that was his old stomping grounds, you know. Just getting a tour, seeing Haight-Ashbury and cable cars and Red Light District and shit. Triple Rock beer, which I wouldn't drink again if I was a full-blown fucking alcoholic. Anyway. <sighs> Not like Michelle and Janine, but kind of like Michelle and Janine. Hanging out with Christian that weekend, just hanging out with a friend. It's just fucking, it regrounded me. It kind of helped reconnect me back to sanity. It remind me that I wasn't fucking crazy, especially when I'm not doing fucking murder Summer and I our relationship was winding down make no mistake about it it didn't have anything to do with lack of love for one another and I know that for a fucking fact but we were young and when you got your whole life in front of you well there's lots of horizons it means they come and go and it's real easy f to forget why hanging out with my friend Christian helped me, you know, kickstart my brain. And before Summer got back from Simi Valley, well, I took it a step further and I got back to West Hollywood. Looked up my old childhood friend from back in Oklahoma, Shane. Yeah, he's still down in Long Beach. I guess him and his girlfriend Susie were breaking up. I went down and I helped him. Like so many times he had fucking helped me. Ended up bringing him back to West Hollywood with me. Yeah. I just, we, I parked him on the couch. He had to have a place to sleep. Summer didn't like it, but I didn't give a shit. She wasn't there at the fucking time anyway. Anymore. At least my friend Shane was there. Yeah, and Christian showed up and got between the three of us. We started raising hell in the Joshua tree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I burned a portion of it down, sure. I mean, we meant to, but we didn't. Does that make sense? Can you burn a fucking desert down? Well, you can get a bullshit ticket for it. Yeah. Or a summons, whatever the fuck it was. And Yeah, my summons, sure. Wipe my dick off with it. That'd come back to haunt me. Okay.
I'm going to be getting into the final chapter of this book, guys, and I'd just like to conclude this evening by saying I appreciate your patience. Um, I have to tell this story. I don't know why. I just have to. I'm really not trying to. It's my story, and um, I don't want to piss on anybody to tell it. See, that whole time when all that stuff was going down, Summer and I didn't realize she'd been putting on a little bit of weight, but not very much, but just a little bit. And um, now she was pregnant again. She just thought her period was off. She had been spotting, okay? And she just thought her period was irregular and ignored it. I'm not making excuses. I'm just... You have to understand the first miscarriage was so bad, even though she wasn't even hardly three months along, it damn near killed her, okay? She went a lot further along this time, and that's what I'm dedicating the last chapter to, because Summer and I, we had a daughter. And uh, we lost a daughter. It's a really tough chapter. I don't even know how I want to tell it. But I have to. Everybody needs to know that I had a daughter. Left to know. There's a big part of me that's broken because I have three great sons, my beautiful granddaughter. But once upon a time, I had a little girl and she didn't get a chance because I failed her. And you ain't going to find her on any birth certificate or anything, but. I just wanted you to know she was real. She had a name. I had her name all picked out. 54 years old. Yeah, it's been 33 years. And um, for the first time, I'm talking about my daughter. Vivian Lysa Sykes.